This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Well good morning everyone, my name's Mitch, it's great to, to meet you if I haven't met you before. I'm from the um, Burwood Gospel Community, um, yeah there they are, and, I, and I'm super excited to get into the Word this morning uh, as we talk about what it means to be disciples as Matt said as we look at this series on discipleship and this morning we're going to be specifically looking at what it means for us to be learners, which is why I have this here. Learners, L-Play. And I reckon, as I hold this up, there's probably a whole range of emotions that you're feeling right now in this room. I reckon there's some of us here that are feeling, uh, feeling relief because they've, they've been through this process. Most of us have probably learned how to drive. Most of us, I'm looking at you, Benny. Uh, and I'm seeing that, um, you know, we've, we've been through 120 hours of, of, of learning and we finally got through and now we're done. So we're feeling relief that it's all over. I reckon for others, we're feeling a bit of anxiety that just comes up. If you've been in the car with an unskilled driver, if you're anything like my mother right now, you're probably grabbing the seat right next to you trying to like hold onto the handles because that's what she did when she taught me how to drive. I remember every time I used to drive with my mum, she'd be holding onto the, the handle at the side and the handle up here, just like shaking and yelling at me to slow down. So much anxiety. Um, there's probably others of us that are feeling a little bit of dread. Maybe you're a parent and you're thinking to the future of when you might have to teach your own child how to drive and you're not looking forward to that experience. Um, but I think the reason that we experience all these different feelings is because we all know that learning how to drive is a really important thing and it's really important for us to learn how to drive well because it has consequences for how we act on the road and I'm sure there's other people in the room that when I hold that up just start tailgating me in their minds. I'm sure there's people that are just getting frustrated and angry because they've all experienced what it's like to drive behind a learned driver that doesn't really know what to do and I experience this a lot. I live in Burwood. Um, and Burwood Road is an absolute minefield on the road, I can tell you that. You can drive down Burwood Road at any time of the day and you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if the car in front of you is going to indicate. You don't know if they're going to, you know, they might even mount the curb. I've seen it happen. Burwood is a dangerous place to drive. So I experience this every day when I drive down Burwood Road, the dangers of what it looks like when someone who hasn't learned to drive properly is behind a car. Um, we all know that the way we learn has consequences for the way that we act. And I think this is the same when it comes to our discipleship. When it comes to our discipleship, the way that we learn has great consequences for the way that we act as disciples and the way that we disciple others. As Matt said, we're, we're in this series looking at discipleship and for the next three weeks we're starting a, a new part of this series where we look at the way of discipleship. We look at well, what it means to follow Jesus, answering the question, how do I follow Jesus? And we believe that there are three main ways that we do this and they're by learning, by loving and by living. And so today we're going to be looking at learning. In other words, how do we learn? How do we follow Jesus with our head, with our heart and with our hands? So what we're going to do today is look at the learning aspect of discipleship. How do we follow Jesus with our heads? Uh, and what I want to do today is, is look at that. And I want to look at three things in particular. I want to look at, firstly, what it means to be a learner. Secondly, what the, the content of our learning is. And thirdly, the result of our learning. So what it means to be a learner, the content of our learning and the result of our learning. But I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into this morning. So please pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. We thank you that you speak to us through it. Lord, we thank you that your word is living and active, Lord. And we, 
We trust that every time it's open, your, your word goes out and doesn't return empty, Lord. We ask that would be true this morning, Father. I ask that you would please give me the words to say. Lord, I pray that everything that I speak this morning would be from your spirit and faithful to your word. And Father, we really ask that you would be transforming us by your spirit as your word is opened. Uh, so we would be learners that desire to follow you with everything we have, Lord. We pray that you'd be with us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So firstly, what does it mean to be a learner? Well, I think it's important right from the beginning that, to mention that the word disciple actually literally means learner, someone who engages in learning. And the relationship that we see between the disciples and, and Jesus in the New Testament is one of a teacher and a student. Half of our Bible translations actually translate the word disciple as student most of the time. And so much of what we hear Jesus say in the Gospels is about what it looks like to be uh, a disciple and have this disciple-student-teacher relationship. So if you look in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, it should be on the screen. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. And so Jesus tells us there's this really clear difference between a disciple and a teacher. A disciple's not above his teacher. A disciple is submissive to his teacher. He is the learner, and the teacher is the one who teaches. Earlier, uh, just before Jesus says these words in, in chapter 6 of Luke, he asks the question, can a blind man lead a blind man? And then, of course, the answer is no. A blind man can't lead a blind man. Won't they both fall into a pit, Jesus says. What he's getting at is that a blind man needs someone who can see as his guide. He's saying in the same way, a disciple needs someone who can see, uh, who understands as their teacher. I was thinking about what it looks like for a blind person to lead a blind person, and the first thing that came to my mind was Sarah and I's first year of marriage, because that was well and truly the blind leading the blind. We, neither of us had lived out of home before. We both moved straight from living with our parents, got married, and, and lived in our own place, and it was the blind leading the blind in almost every aspect of life. We don't know what we were doing, like cooking, cleaning, folding fitted sheets, everything that happened. We have no idea what we were doing. Well and truly the blind leading the blind. And so often, we would have to go up to our parents or our friends and ask them for help or ask them, you know, how do you clean an oven? How do you do all these things? So many things. Uh, we need someone who understood what they were doing, who had experience to teach us. And that's the, the picture we have of a disciple and a teacher. We need someone who doesn't have understanding learning from someone who does. That's the, that's the picture we have of a disciple uh, and a teacher. But look at what Jesus says. He says, when the disciple is fully trained, he will be like his teacher. And this touches on a really significant part of our discipleship. And that is that the type of learning that we engage in as disciples is not just the type of learning that means we understand things better in our heads. This is the type of learning that leads to transformed living. When a disciple is fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. That means there has to be some form of transformation that occurs in this learning. I think this is so important uh, to think about when we think about discipleship. And I think it's so important for us to think through discipleship in the context of our, our broader theology. And what I mean by that is we need to think through our discipleship in the context of the hope that we have for the future. Look at what Paul says in Romans 8. He says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And then Paul goes on in the book of Corinthians, he says this, he says, Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. And what Paul is saying is that one day all of us will be perfectly conformed to the image of Jesus. If you've put your trust in Jesus, then one day you will be made perfectly like him. And that's so significant for us for our discipleship. 
Because what that means is that the small steps of obedience that you take in your discipleship now, the small areas of your learning as you grow and learn to be more like Jesus, is beginning a process that will last until eternity. What you do now as a disciple is beginning a transformation that will lead to you being perfect one day. Think about that for a second. What you do now as a disciple is the first steps of you becoming perfect as the Holy Spirit transforms us. He begins that work now. He's going to bring it to completion one day. How amazing is that? The Holy Spirit is beginning to transform you. And as you take small steps of discipleship, as you take small steps in growing and learning, that's what's happening to you. You're being made perfect. So what does it mean to be a learner? It means being someone who is committed to being transformed by the Holy Spirit. As someone who's committed to being made more like the teacher, made more like Jesus. That's what it means to be a learner. So secondly, what's the content of our learning? Because as we look at the scriptures, we see that although our learning is not just intellectual, although it does have to lead to transformation, there is a genuine intellectual aspect of our learning. We do have to learn in the traditional sense as well. And I think this becomes really clear when we look at the example of Jesus' ministry. We see right from the beginning of Jesus' ministry that he's engaged in preaching and teaching and his disciples have a relationship with him, one of learning. Look in uh, the start of the book of Mark. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And a little bit later in that chapter, he says this, And he said to them, Let us go into the next town so that I might preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And we see here, from right from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he is so focused on preaching and teaching. And you, it's not hard to tell that when you, when you look through uh, the account of Jesus we have in all four of the Gospels. So much of the words that Jesus says, if you've got your red letter Bible, so many of the red letters are Jesus preaching and teaching and discussing with his disciples what it looks like to be a student. So much of what Jesus does is teach. So clearly we see from Jesus' emphasis in the Gospels that he, has a real, he places a huge emphasis on growing and under, in understanding and knowledge. He has an emphasis of intellectual learning. And I think when we look at Jesus' ministry, we can't really get away with saying that Jesus only cares about our hearts and not our head. Clearly Jesus cares about our intellectual growth as well. And he actually warns about the importance of this aspect of our discipleship in the book of Mark as well. He says this, he says, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given and you'll receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. So we have a clear command from Jesus to listen to his teaching and to listen well, teaching and listen well. And if we do, more understanding will be given to us. But then he has this really pretty dramatic warning that he says, but if you don't listen, then even the understanding you have will be taken away. Pretty dramatic warning. I was thinking about what that looks like, and I feel like there's a really clear analogy between this type of spiritual growth and our physical growth as well. I was thinking about what it means to, to exercise, and you all know the feeling of when you're exercising and you go to the gym or you go for a run or whatever, and you set goals and you're getting progress going more and more. I know like half of our church last week did the city to surf, and I'm sure most people were training and getting better and better, but then if you ever experience that and then you have some sort of injury that stops you training, you can feel all your progress start to seep away and then you even get beyond what, like worse than you were before you even started. I feel like I'm experiencing this now. Like I injured myself 
quite badly about a month ago. I slipped a couple of discs in my back, and that meant that I couldn't really move for a little while, and I haven't been able to exercise for a long time. So I felt like all the progress I'd made as I was going to the gym and trying to get fit, I was good, but then it just completely went all the way backwards, and now I feel like it's gone you know, even further beyond what I was. I feel like I've lost all my progress and more. And I feel like that's kind of the picture of what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, if you pay close attention to my teaching, you'll be given even more understanding. But if you neglect it, then even what you have will be taken away. And I think it's important as well just to, to mention, what Jesus is not saying is that if you forget to read your Bible once, you're going to lose everything you know, right? He's not saying that if you just forget and make a small mistake, every bit of understanding you have will be taken away and you'll have to start from scratch again. But what he is saying is that the long-term effects of neglecting God's word is spiritual malnourish- malnourishment. The long-term effects of neglecting God's word is spiritual malnourishment. So clearly when we look at the example of Jesus, learning and growing understanding is a priority. And I think we see that priority carried over to the, the days of the early church by Jesus' disciples. We get this picture at the beginning of Acts of the early church. And it says, uh, in Acts chapter 2, it says, They, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So we get this description of the early church as being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Absolutely devoted to their teaching. They didn't just disregard it. They didn't just listen to it, but they were devoted to it. And what did the apostles teach? They taught from the scriptures about what Jesus had done. Devoted to the teaching. Devoted to the gospel. Devoted to learning from the word of God. I think it's the same for us. When it comes to our discipleship, our learning has to be word-centered. We have to be devoted to the Word of God. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean for us to be disciples who are devoted to the Word of God? I think it means a couple of things. I think the first thing that this means is that we need to be devoted to the preaching of the Word. Like Matt said before, we we open the Word every week. We read it and we hear it explained. And we need to continue to be devoted to the Word. And I think what's important is that when we don't prioritize this, when we don't prioritize opening the Word here on Sunday, and when we don't prioritize it in our GC, in our triplets, what we're doing is actually robbing ourselves of the opportunity to hear from God. When we don't prioritize the Word, we're robbing ourselves to hear from the God who's created the universe and who said that He wants to speak to us and He, and he has spoken to us in His Word. And when we don't open His Word, we're neglecting it and robbing ourselves of the opportunity to hear from Him. It's really significant. And the second thing I think this means is for us to be really careful between creating a false dichotomy between the way that we think and the way that we feel. Or in other words, creating a false dichotomy between how we do theology and how we worship. We can't separate our understanding uh, from our worship because our, our theology is what shapes our worship. It'd be like this, if I, if I went up to my wife Sarah and I said, Sarah, wow, you are so beautiful. I just love... I love your blonde hair, I love your blue eyes, I love your dark olive skin. Like, it sounds kind of nice, but, you know, it's not going to mean much to her. Like, praise is going to mean much to her when she has brown hair, brown eyes, doesn't have dark olive skin. You know, the, the praise would mean a lot more to her if actually what I said about her was true, wouldn't it? It's the same with our theology. Our theology shapes our worship. Our understanding about God shapes the way that we worship Him. It's going to be, uh, make, a lot of, make a big difference if what we actually worship God for is the truth. So we need to follow the example of the early church and be devoted to the Word. And that's something that's active. We need to be actively devoted to the Word of God. That's not something we can do and be passive. 
I think the reality is, is that we're all students of something and we're all being discipled by something. Who is your teacher? Who are the voices that you are listening to? Are you being discipled by our world and not by the word? Are you listening to this individualistic culture that says you should place yourself and your priorities above everybody else? Are you listening to our consumeristic world that says you're not whole unless you are consuming and buying and getting everything you desire? Are you listening to our world that says that your worth is found in your appearance and the way you look and others' perception of you? We're all being discipled by something. We all have a teacher. And if we're not actively devoted to learning from the Word of God, we're going to be learning from something else. I think that's a really challenge for us to be devoted to the teaching of the Word, not push it to the side. So that's the, the content of our learning. What is a learner? Someone who's devoted to being transformed more into the image of Jesus. What's the, the content of what we learn is we learn from the Word. And the third thing that I want to talk about today is the result of our learning. Because as I said before, being a disciple of Jesus means being someone who is committed to transformation. Someone who's committed to letting the Holy Spirit transform our lives. As we go forward in discipleship, we're beginning a process of transformation. And Paul gives us an example of what this actually looked like and where this begins in the book of Romans. So Matt read it out before. We're going to read from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And the thing that I want us to notice from this passage is that Paul says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By the renewal of your mind. And that, that word for, uh, that we get transformed is actually the, the Greek word that we derive our English word metamorphosis from. He's saying, be transformed. Experience metamorphosis, like a, like a caterpillar coming into a butterfly. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And what Paul is saying is that transformation begins in the head. It begins in the head, it moves to the heart, and then out to the hands. But it's so significant for us to realize that this transformation, Paul says, begins in the head with the renewal of our minds. Just like the, the learned driver, they need to learn the road rules in their mind before they can put that into practice on the road. Our transformation begins in our understanding, in our growing of knowledge, moves to our heart, and then out into our actions through our hands. It begins in the head. And look at the purpose of why we're called to do this. He says, transformed by the renewal of your mind, so you may discern what is the will of God. Our minds are renewed to understand God's will and to move in obedience. In other words, our minds are renewed for our transformation. But what does this look like for us practically? That's really the question that we need to answer. How do I follow Jesus with my head? What does it look like for us practically? And I think this means three really practical things. I think it means three really practical things. And the first one is that we have to be people who meditate on the Word of God. Look at Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. 
Blessed is the man who meditates on the word of God. The one who meditates on it, not just the one who reads it. Blessed is the man who meditates on the word of God. And I think that's a really important distinction for us to make. Because meditating on the word of God is not just the same as reading it. How often has your devotional time, when you spent time in the Word, just been looked like you know, reading the words and then standing up and going and doing something else, and then 10 minutes later you can't remember what you read? Because if you're anything like me, that's happened so much. So many times where I've just read the words on the page, not reflected on them, not thought about them, and walked away. That's not what meditating on the Word of God is. Meditating on the Word of God means taking time. It means asking questions of the text. It means reflecting. It means analyzing. It means absorbing it and soaking it. That's what meditation is. That's how we learn. And when we just read the text, we're not letting that happen. And I realize this is hard because for us to actually spend that time, it means we're going to have to make sacrifices. We're going to have to sacrifice some of our time if we're going to do this. But I think it's really valuable. I know I experienced this a lot when I was, um, similar thing when I was studying for exams at college. So often the beginning of my my study and my prep would be so productive. Like when it's a couple of weeks out to the exam, I'd start writing down all my notes and I'd write down so much stuff and they'd be all beautifully highlighted and in different colors and it'd be you know, all pretty and stuff. And then I would, I would read them and I'd be so motivated. And then the closer it got to the exam, for some reason, I just kind of peaked far too early and then I got far less motivation the longer and longer I got and the closer it got to the exam. So by you know, the last couple of days before my exam, my study would really just look like me kind of reading over the notes I'd written but not actually letting it get into my head and just you know, hoping that one day it would just kind of be absorbed into my brain by osmosis or something and just like, you know, let it get in there. But it never did. And then so often I would get to the exam and I'd have a question and I'd know the content. I know it was written somewhere on my page, but I just couldn't remember it or what it said. Because I just read and I hadn't actually reflected or meditated on the Word. For us to be learners, we need to be devoted to meditating on the Word and letting it transform us. I was really encouraged actually the other day, uh, I think it was maybe even yesterday, Nige may have posted on uh, the anchor page with his reflection on the word. And he was sharing a similar thing about how he'd been going through the questions that are on the Follow Me postcards and how he'd spent time reflecting on the word and how fruitful it had been for him to actually ask those questions that are written on the, on the postcard that we've all been given. There should be one in your seat. And if you're someone who struggles to meditate on the word, then I think this is a, such a great way of getting into it. Take that postcard, take it home, and when you look at the word, ask those questions. Who is God? What has he done? What does it say about people? I'm not even sure what they are, but read those questions. Uh, it's a great way for us to meditate on the word by actually asking questions of the text. So that's the first way we're called to be disciples. The way we can be devoted to learning is meditating on the text. The second way that we can be devoted to being transformed by our learning is by inviting the Holy Spirit to work in us. Inviting the Holy Spirit to work in us. Jesus says this in the book of John. Chapter 14, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things, all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit is the one who will teach the disciples. And that's true of us today. We are completely dependent on the Holy Spirit for our learning. We're dependent on the Holy Spirit to teach us. And Jesus promises that he will guide us into truth. And what I think this means for us is that we need to actively partner with Him in our transformation. We need to actively partner with the Holy Spirit in our learning. That means we need His presence. And I think what that means for us is actually inviting Him to speak to us and inviting Him to work. 
I think this means spending time in prayer with the Spirit, saying, Holy Spirit, please convict me of my sin. Please show me areas of transformation that need to happen in my life. Please work in me and reveal those to me. Uh, recently, I well, started this year, I started a new job. Um, and for part of my job, what I've been doing is uh, teaching a diploma of theology to a bunch of students that are doing a gap year. And I remembered to call them students and not kids, although it's really hard because they just come out and they act like kids. And I always say to Sarah, I need to make sure I remember to call them students. So they're students. They're 18-year-old students. Um, and one experience that I have almost every single week when I'm teaching these students is that uh, I'll, have, you know, I'll, ask a, I'll be teaching them some aspect of theology and naturally, you know, brings up lots of questions, but what will happen every single week is a student will raise their hand and they'll ask a question, and then just as I'm about to, to answer their question, they'll start talking to their friend next to them immediately. And I'm just thinking, what are, you, like, what are you doing? You just asked the question, why would you go and speak to the person next to you? And then I'm, like, it, makes, it happens every week. Like, it makes me want to go you know, up to the like, old school teacher, get up to their desk and just like, slam my hands down on their desk and just yell at them. I'm hearing you know, a chorus of amen from all the teachers in the room. We've all had this experience. But... Every single time, I'm like, you've asked the question. Like, the least you could do is listen to the answer. But I was thinking, how often do we do this with God? How often do I ask the Holy Spirit, please convict me of my sin, please transform me, and then never give him an opportunity to speak? So often my devotional time is, Holy Spirit, convict me, and then I'm halfway through you know, making my breakfast before I've even said amen. I think what this looks like for us really practically is actually asking the Holy Spirit to speak, inviting Him into our lives, and then giving Him time. I think really practically this means spending time in silence. I think it means spending time in prayer, asking Him to work, and just having a time of silence where we clear our minds, let Him speak. And I think if we are devoted to this practice of silence in our devotions, I think we'd be amazed at the work that God does in it. Absolutely amazed at how God does actually speak to us when we allow time for it. Let's not be like my students who just ask a question and don't listen for the answer. Uh, I've been working as a, as a, a lecturer for, for two days a week this year in that job. What I've been doing for my other time during this year, for my other three days, is been working as a labourer. So I feel like I'm getting you know, a whole different range of careers right now, lecturer and labourer. Um, but everyone, uh, when I started labouring at the start of this year, most people that know me thought that was hilarious because I am you know, the absolute opposite of your handyman or tradesperson. And you know, every kind of like, traditional stereotype of what a man is is not what I am. Um, Sarah is the spider killer in our house and um, Sarah is the assembler of our IKEA furniture because I can't figure it out. So it's very humorous for everyone that I've been working as a laborer in a trade trying to figure out that. So what that's meant for me this year is that I've had to learn a lot of new skills. Um, and I've had this experience so often this year where you know, I've been talking to my boss and he's asked me to do a particular job and he'll you know, tell me, this is what needs to get done. He's like, these are the tools that you'll need. This is where you need to go. Go and do it. And I'll be listening. I'll be like, yep, okay, great. Got the tools. Know where I'm going. Know what needs to get done. Understand it. Then I walk there and so often I you know, get there and I'm just... Um, Mm. Nah. And then I have to walk back and ask him again. And then, you know, my boss will exasperatedly come after me and then show me what to do. But what's happened almost every time is once he's actually shown me how to do it, and I'm watching him and watching what he's done and learning and asking questions and, you know, seeing actually how it's done, almost always after that, I'm able to do the job myself. After I've watched him do it, I'm actually able to imitate him doing it and then get the job done. And that brings me to the, the third way that we are devoted to learning as disciples, and that is imitation. 
We talked already in this series about how discipleship is more of a practical apprenticeship than classroom learning. Discipleship is practical. And that means that we need people to guide us and to teach us and to show us how to do it. So just like me when I'm you know, in my laboring job, I can understand what's going on in my head very, like all well and good. I know what needs to get done. I know what I need to do it. But when I actually get there, I can't do it unless I've been shown. I think that's the same case with our discipleship. Often we know so much of what we need to do. We know what needs to get done. But we really need people to show us and guide us, people to imitate. And I would like to call this type of learning embodied learning. I want to call it embodied learning, learning that is enacted. The type of learning that we do as disciples is, is the type of learning that means getting your hands dirty. It's the type of learning that requires action. It's the type of learning that doesn't just stay on our heads, but has to move from out into our heads to our heart, out through our hands. And that means imitation. Look at what Paul says to the church at Philippi from the book of Philippians. He says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Elsewhere he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul calls the church to imitate what they've seen in him. What a massive statement. Imitate what you've seen in me and imitate me as I imitate Christ. They're called to to look at his life and practice what they see and be more like Christ in the process. That's embodied learning, learning that's lived out in action. What's so important for us to notice is that we don't only teach with what comes out of our mouths, but we teach with what comes out of our lives. We teach with what comes out of our lives. Discipleship is life on life. And what I think is so important for us to to understand is that we can't, we have no hope of being a fully formed disciple outside the context of community. You cannot be a fully formed disciple outside of the context of community. We need people to imitate. And what I think this looks like for us practically is two things. I think it means seeking after, seeking to be someone that's worthy of imitation. Seeking to be someone that is so transformed that people could look at your life and imitate you as you imitate Jesus. But I think this this also means seeking out someone to imitate. I think it means being bold. Go and find someone who you respect, who you see imitate Christ and asking Please help me. Please help me imitate you. Let me spend time with you. Let me talk to you. Let me discuss what it means to be a disciple. Being someone worthy of imitation and seeking out someone to imitate. I think a really practical way that we can do that is in gospel triplets. We'll notice on your, on your postcard we have four practices, uh, four discipleship practices for this series. One of those is triplets. Triplets is a great way where we can look at the word together but also imitate one another walk on this journey together, look at each other's lives, correct each other, rebuke each other, teach each other, imitate one another. I think it's a really practical way. As we um, finish up, I just want to reflect. Three, three things we're called to do as, as disciples. Meditate on the Word of God. We're called to meditate on His Word and not just read it. We're called to invite the Holy Spirit to speak and give Him the opportunity and to find people to imitate embodied learning. But as we do finish up, I just want to remind us of something which is so important when it comes to our discipleship. And amidst of all this talk about you know, growing and learning and doing better and the ways that we can do it, it's so important that we don't miss something absolutely foundational. And that is that we are not saved by what we do. We're not saved by what we do. We've been saved by, purely by grace, grace alone. 
And Jesus has bought us with his blood and he's washed us clean. And that's so important for us to know as we go about discipleship because I can guarantee you will fail. And I will fail. We fail every day in our walk of discipleship. And we've been saved by grace, not by what we do. So when we do, we don't need to feel condemned. We don't need to feel condemned when we're not living in the obedience we feel called to, when we're not seeing the transformation that we feel called to, because we've been saved by grace alone. Learning isn't just about reading more. It's not just about doing better. It's about, being the, fa- about the fact that we are people who have the opportunity to hear from God on a daily basis and be transformed. We've got the opportunity to hear God's words in our lives and hear the Holy Spirit speak and be transformed. As we, as we do this, my prayer for us as a community, my prayer for Anchor, and I know it's the prayer of the staff as well, is that we would be people who look like that tree from someone. People who are planted by streams of living water. Trees that, that weather the drought. Trees that, that last throughout the storm, trees that are planted by living water and transformed by meditating on God's word. That's my prayer for us. So I'm going to pray for us now and then we're going to respond in a few ways. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you for Jesus and for the example um, that he has shown us about what it means to be uh, a disciple, Lord, that he's taught us so much. And we ask that you would be transforming us. Lord, we pray that you would transform us by your Holy Spirit to make us people who are committed and devoted to learning and transformation. Lord, we thank you so much that one day we are going to look perfectly like you, Jesus, that will be transformed completely. And that begins now, Lord, and we ask that it would. We pray that you'd be working powerfully in us, bringing conviction of sin, showing us where we need to be transformed. In the name of Jesus. Amen.